Once again, a big thank you to Wild Earth Australia for their continuous support and being a company that really believes in the adventurous lifestyle. Now, if you need any gear for your next adventure, running, hiking, camping, climbing, survival, you name it, there you have it. So go to the website wildearth.com.au and put in the 10% discount code Diaries of the Wild Ones, all one word, capital letters. Free shipping Australia-wide, they even ship internationally. I had so much fun recording this episode with a good friend of mine, Rio. So if you like his style, I actually did an episode with him called Conversations with an Enlightened Elder, and I got so many amazing reviews from it. It was a great chat, so go back and listen to that one. But this episode was so much fun because I got to tell some of my own stories, and we just got to talk about traveling in general. So if you like this episode or others, please leave a rating and please share it. Oh, and we're so sorry about the creaky chairs that we're sitting on that you can hear in the background, but it fades out, so don't worry about it. Enjoy. You know what, in that thing? Yeah, I'm trying, man. I'm trying. Yeah. I don't have enough wind power to suck it in. <laughs> Wait a minute. I got to go now. Oh, the door's open. Oh, the door was open. The door's open, yeah. Yeah, you're not too warm in here? Oh, no, I... Well, I'll turn off. The, uh, yeah, hold on. This shit's so good. Yeah, it is. Well, we just had the deepest conversation for so long. Yeah, it was pretty intense. I had a lot of realizations, and that was really good just to let it. But, Rio, so you wanted me to tell you a story? Yeah, I'd love to hear a story. Story time. Okay, did I? Mm. Okay, did I ever tell you? Did I tell you I went to Sri Lanka? That time I was in Sri Lanka? I don't know. I think you... I think... Well, you, you've had a lot of stories. I don't know if I... <laughs> I think you've been talking a lot. I don't know if I were in Sri Lanka. I don't... I kind of... Okay. Was it a... It had to be a surf trip. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. yeah. Seriously good. <clears throat> you know what? It's pretty weak ocean out there. Really fun waves. But just the, the country is insane to travel around. The food there. Yeah. That's some of the best food I've ever eaten, man. I, like, I, re- I reckon that I would say Sri Lankan's the best cuisine that I've ever had. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. something about that they don't fully cook the vegetables or something. All the flavors in there and it's crisp. And like, I swear the whole place is like, everyone's growing the food in like the back of the restaurant and stuff. Oh, I don't that know. sounds really nice. And so cheap, man. Wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, fuck, where does this story start? I think it was... You remember when I said I traveled with one of my best mates, Mitch? We traveled together yeah, for yeah. like five or six yeah. months. Well, this was on that trip with him. Him and I... Fuck, we're in Indonesia. I think we went to Thailand. We went to Sri Lanka. We went to Korea. We did like this bit of a trip around for like five, yeah. six months together. It was so much fun. And, and most of it was based around surfing or partying. Like, Is Mitch the one that has long hair... Yeah, he's, and he's he was married to that hot uh, naturopath chick. Yeah, he's yeah yeah. I like that guy. Yeah. He's the accountant. Yeah, yeah, he's the re- yeah he's a really cool he's guy. He's fucking man. cool. Like he's so guy. much fun to hang out with too. Just good energy. Just he's always chilled, man. Yeah, he's so fucking chilled. He's like Jesus. He, he's one of the funnest guys I've traveled with. When we traveled, him and I just like it just clicked, man. Like just everything was everything was fun. Everything was a joke. Everything was just. Yeah, everything we did together it just worked. It was a perfect ingredient, just him and I. Did you know him for a long time? Oh, yeah, I've known him since I was real young. Oh, you're yeah, we went to so primary school together. Mm. Yeah, no, he, he but works. like, yeah. So we decided to do this trip together. I think I'm done. I'm thinking I'm done too. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, so we, dude, we go to Sri Lanka, right? And we go, the season that we were in there was the West Coast season, not the East Coast. So that's like all the waves on the side of the Hikadua side, like Hikadua. And I think there's a whole heap of waves down Metagama and a whole heap of waves down. Well, just that West Coast. Yeah. And we go there and the first place we go, we're flying to Colombo. First place we go is Hikadua, which is like the party town. And uh, we were in this town. It was a little vortex. We were in this town. We just started partying, meeting people, surfing. And... I think we got stuck in that town for like nearly two weeks or something, like a week. It was one of those things. Every day we we're going to go to the south and go to some other waves and like go to some smaller towns. We we're going to do a safari and go up to the mountains. And we just had to keep putting it back every day because every night we ended up just partying and having a good time. Uh-huh. Like, so it was this full-on vortex. And anyway, finally it comes the point 
where we're just like, nah, we, let's just get out of town. <laughs> so we get on this motorbike and we hired this like a uh, motorbike. It wasn't a moped. It was an actual motorbike. It was probably like one of the first motorbikes. This is big thing, man. I was so bad was at it. Was it one of those uh, Indian bikes? Probably would have been. Yeah, um, probably would have been. A, a, I think it was like more of a standard motorbike. Like a road bike. No, like they have, that's Enfield. The cafe race. It's, was it an Enfield? Oh, the cafe races? Nah. Nah. Because like in India, it would have been cool if it was. Like big Enfields. Yeah, awesome. and they're beautiful yeah. bikes. Yeah. No, but like, so we decided to do this surf trip down south and we're going to um, all these places. We go out to the mountains to a place called Ella and we did this Adam's Peak up there, which is like, they call it the Garden of Eden. It's like literally, man, it's like this massive, in the mountains, there's this one massive peak, right? And it just gets like right up on top. It's like really small, which is this massive mountain. Uh, like a pointed one. Dude, yeah. And right on top is this like kind of Buddhist monk thing. I mean, Buddhist, not Buddhist monk, Buddhist temple thing, right? And you go up for the sunrise and it takes you like, <sighs> man, it's like some, something crazy, like so many thousand steps. Where, oh, your legs cramp up so much after it. But it's like you, you leave it about 2 a.m. to get up for sunrise. And you get up there, man, and it's freezing cold because you're in the mountains and there's all these ah. Buddhas, like, they're all um, chanting and, like, um, meditating and, like, it's all smoking going on and people go, it's a full pilgrimage, man. It's literally like in the movies when you see, like, wow. you know, those stairs up and the monks up the top, you know what I mean? It's the pilgrimage. It's the challenge to get up there, to get that Do beauty. Do all the monks get up there every day? I think they might even live up there. I don't know. Yeah. I would, no, but yeah. like p- pilgrims come every day. It's like it's day. one of those things that pilgrims come every day. It's like it's like a trek to do. You go there. It's like a path of yeah. like, and they call it the Garden of Eden. Wow. Like that's where Adam and Eve were. But it's just freaking beautiful. It's one of those things. So anyway, we do that up in the mountains. We have like this motorbike trip around the mountains, and then we go down to the south and we do a safari. So I think by this stage, after we do the safari. It's like time to get back into the surf. And I think it was, we're spending a month in Sri Lanka. Yeah. So I think it was about three weeks in, we go to a town called Weligama. And like we get some fun waves and everything. And it's like, and like we're back in this little village, like on the beach, really nice, like palm trees and everything. Oh, actually, I was standing there checking the surf one day. And I was like down on the flat sand. And just behind me was an embankment that was like over my head. Yeah. And then off that embankment were these massive palm trees, like massive palm trees, dude. I'm just standing there checking the surf. And next the thing, this massive thud. Yeah. Right next to me, oh, dude. And I looked down and there was this oh. massive coconut right next to me. Oh, dude. Yeah. Oh. And after that, I'm always, now I always, I'm real aware when I'm me going too. under coconut palms. Now I get real nervous. I check them all out and everything. Do you ever oh. get nervous around like waterfalls? Why? Oh, the suction in when you jump no, in? No, no, because if you're sitting under a waterfall, shit comes over the waterfall. Oh, yeah. All the fucking time, dude. dude. That I'm really cautious of that shit. Dude, man. I have a video. We're in Chile in the Atacama Desert in the north of Chile and set out of San Pedro, and it was Australia Day. Yeah. And I was like, I was 21, and, and we were with a couple of other Aussie mates from home. And so, like, we wanted to have a straight day and, like, party. Yeah. And we're thinking, well, it's a straight day, so we need to have a barbecue. We need to, um, like, be in a water source somewhere so we can play or whatever, and we need to get drunk. You yeah. know, this is the, the process yeah, of having yeah, this party for a straight day and, yeah. and listen to the Triple J Hottest 100. So we, um, we went out. We found that coming into town, because it's the driest place on earth, the San Pedro Desert, it's like some oh, of the clearest wow. skies, but they funnel water in town, like into town, and it comes in the, through these trenches mm. that we found out. And like through these trenches, some of them, there's steps in them. So like there might be like Make a little a waterfall. man-made waterfall, you know, as it goes down into the town, this water funnels in. So we've decided that we hear about this one, it's like a nice waterfall that you can go and play and have a swim. There's a tree there and it'll be the perfect place. So we head out there with a whole heap of other backpackers, and have this Australia Day there. And we're all in like this waterfall. And it was so much fun because it was like a slippery side. The waterfall was so powerful that you jump in it and it sucks you down and flips you out. You know what I mean? You get flipped out like down this chute because it's kind of like a, it was kind of like a really, it was like a slippery slide, but like not that steep. You know what I mean? Just enough, like, but it'd shoot you off. Yeah. And um, 
it became this game because it was so powerful of trying to stand and like hold your ground as long as you can under it until it takes your feet away and like you get you get sucked over so it's my turn like it's i'm like i'm gonna go for another go and having a go and everyone's watching me and my ex-girlfriend at times grabs the camera and starts filming going like you know to see it like how long i can try get because you're trying to walk to the middle of the waterfall right, before it takes before you out and you're trying to get as much as you can in and i'm on this video i've got my hands up like i'm like cheering and i'm going into this waterfall and next thing i remember i see everyone's faces just like so i can't hear anything because the waterfall is like so powerful but i see everyone's faces going from like cheering me to like this shock and i'm like so next thing it's scared the hell out like because you've seen that body language and you're like but you can't hear anything you're like fuck like something's about to happen to me and then I kind of just look up. As I look up, I see this dark thing coming. Oh, and I'm like, fuck, fuck and I try to jump out of the way. And as I jump out of the way, it was a fucking tree stump, man. And it came down. It just went thud straight into the concrete under me, under the waterfall. And I've jumped to the side. It's gone down and gone bang, taken most of the force. And then one of its branches have caught me. And I've rolled down this thing with it, man. I ended up like... Kind of doing a roll with it and then getting off and it going down. And, man, we played this thing back. Dude, we played this thing back. It missed me by, like, fucking centimeters, dude. It, like, and you can hear the thud of this tree trunk going straight through the waterfall into the concrete under, like, the bottom drain. Wow. Just going thud. I was like, dude, or so. That would be, like, a total YouTube sensation, man. You'd, like, go viral. Oh, dude. If if you showed that. Yeah. Oh, Fuck. I should try. Do I'm you have try. it? Yeah, it's on my. Yeah, Man, let's get it out. It oh, let's get it out. Add it to this I'll make clip. It, I'll make a video of this. You have to yeah. add it to this podcast. That's a great idea. Fuck, that's gonna. It'll be, be awesome. the, the video. You guys, out. man, who's ever listening to this? This is gonna be a treat. This is gonna be <laughs> fucking awesome, man. It's oh. like thrilled, you know, daredevil shit. Wait, I'm gonna tell you this the Sri Lankan awesome. story. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're in the okay. So we're doing the surf trip. Right, and we get to a town called Medigama, and we've been in Sri Lanka at this stage for about three and a half weeks. And you were in Atagama before that. And we're in Welligama. Welligama. Yeah, wow. so we're in Medigama, right? And we're looking for a place to stay. And at this stage, we're backpackers. We're being cheap. We're looking for the cheapest place. Yeah. So we found this place down the beach that was kind of like on this left-hand point with this left out the front, right? And it looked like it was it was half being built. Like it looked kind of dilapidated and we went in and it was full. It was really cheap, but it was full. And there was this German guy and his girlfriend was from Chile. His name was Michael. And um, he had just started working there literally a week before. And it was like a new hostel that was opening up. And basically he's like, no, everything's full. And we're like, oh, dude, can we just camp like anywhere? We'll just, you know, whatever. Like it was just on the beach. We're like, we'll just sleep in the hammock, you know, like how much for that? And he's like, oh, actually, we've got a hut down the beach about 100 meters away. Like... We haven't finished building it yet, but it's still a structure. You can just camp in that. There's a bed in it. Oh, cool. And we're like, yeah, sick. So we go in and like it was pretty much done, man. They were just nearly finishing it, but it had this one big massive open window that looked straight out. Had no curtains or nothing. Under so you kind of, yeah, which was kind of perfect. But like, I don't know, like at night it was kind of scary because you couldn't, you know, yeah. it's so dark. Yeah. But were well, there people walking around there at night and shit? No, nah, not really. It was one of those places you got to be careful, I suppose. No, nah, it yeah, it was pretty good. When, when I just quick, just a quick thing. When I was in uh, uh, Fiji, I slept on a beach one night. Oh wow! Turn that off. Man. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> oh man, I hate that sound. It's the sound of me waking up. No, no. <laughs> no okay, so you slept okay. on the beach. One yeah, time. Yeah. yeah. So I slept on the beach, and what I didn't realize is the beach was the highway that these two villages connected on. So like literally all night long. <laughs> Like I'd open my eyes and there'd be about 20 faces looking into the tent. (laughs) (laughs) So he chose the wrong place to camp in. They they all kept saying, bula, bula, bula. And and you had to answer. So like literally like every five minutes I was getting woken up to bula, bula people. (laughs) It's like when you're on the ferries in Indonesia, right? I do like when I go over to Western Bar, I take the overnight ferry and I just sleep on it. And like, man, you'll be, I just go up on the top deck. I put down a little um, sarong or whatever. And I just fucking um, go to sleep in my bag, right? Yeah. And you'll be asleep. And just always like people suddenly, someone's shaking you. And you wake up and they're like, oh, bully, bully. <laughs> like, bully's oh, like, right. and they like, just want to talk to you. And you're like, you're like asleep. <laughs> it's like 2 a.m. <laughs> and you're like, oh, no, you know, damn it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fun. It's a good experience. But, oh, 
so yeah, we're in Sri Lanka, right? And we go oh, to this hostel. Yeah, yeah. This hotel was called the Hilton Surf Lodge. Oh, very and cool. And so we've got this little hut down the beach and this guy, and we're staying there for a couple of days, and there's a whole heap of young local crew that kind of work there and run the place. Like, So the German guy's running it, or like he got hired. He was like a backpacker. It's like, you know, I think he was trading like food and accommodation to, yeah. you know, look after this place for a bit. And then it has all this young crew. And they're like surfers and kind of cool cats from the village. They're just like this group of guys, right? Like quite a big group and they run it and everything. And there's this one couple of local guys surfing with us. But what we didn't know was that in the background of this whole thing was all this turmoil going, all the backstory of what this hostel was. And so we didn't know it was having these problems. Was it and having so, problems? Yeah. So we ended up finding out later. So everything that you're about to hear coming up, it was a whole shock to us, but we ended up finding out that this hostel used to be a brothel that was on the point, right? And that tribe, that village, the people from that village run the brothel. Yeah. Now this rich guy from the next town north, he bought the place. He bought the property, shut it down as a brothel, fired everyone that worked there and then bought his guys to come work there. So he, now he's bought a tribe villages tribe of villages from the north the next village up and brought them down to now run this place as a surf camp so now there's all these locals that had a brothel and had like a, a job or whatever working at this place even though it wasn't the best next thing they've been bought out got kicked out and the guys from the next town the rival town have come down to uh, so intense, they're, huh? they're pretty much like we want our brothel back you know what i mean and we didn't know this so the place has opened up and the first week it was open this is the, the was the first week you were there? Yeah. Like I was, I think the second week I was there. Yeah. But the first week I was there was the week before us. And they're still like building like parts of this. Like heaps is being built, but you know, you can stay there. And this German guy didn't know any of this. And so he started working. Doesn't know there's a problem with anything that these two tribes like having beef. And the first night it opens or the first, in, within the first week, I think it was, don't know, it was the first night, within the first week, they had two security guards on and they had like this door at the front. Well, these guys, this other tribe came in and broke the legs of the two security guards. Fuck! Yeah. So it was like a warning to be like, hey, we want our fucking brothel back and like get out of our town. This is it. You know, they're trying to take their place back. And so we don't know. Fuck, we don't know that there's anything man. going on. We're just staying there, having a couple of beers, surfing, hanging out with this crew, like whatever. You know what I mean? And so this one night, Fuck. dude, this one night, we're sitting, it had like this open like little bar not a, it wasn't a bar but it was just like this open area you sit and have beers and that we bought some beers down the road and we're sitting there it was mitch and i um it was this israeli dude there was this israeli guy that we met in the surf he was like special ops or whatever he works as private security on the um ships that go across nigeria for the pirates he's a he's a private security agent a private security oh, so guard the pirates attack them. yeah he's just take them yeah because he's like he was an israeli soldier now he's gone and he does that he's so a mercenary yeah so yeah. we meet this guy and um and so he's hanging out with us and then there was a couple of girls that were staying at the next place down the beach and they were up just having afternoon beers with us and we're sitting there and i'm kind of like I think there's three people sitting across from me and I'm sitting next to the girl from Holland. So there's like, we're on this side, the guys are on that side. Now the side that I'm facing, I'm looking at the guys and we're having a conversation up in the side of my vision, up in the right side, there's just a whole heap of people gathering. Now, I don't know what's going on. I haven't, not enough people to even like be worried. It's just the local crew, just like everyone's out hanging out, but suddenly like there's a big crew like gathering, right? Now, what, I, what we found out later is that the, there's a clock tower, like a center of town just up the road, and it's like north, just a little bit north, like about five minutes north of our surf hostel. It's like yeah. the center of town, like this sock, um, clock like circle. And then up from that is the next village where these other guys, so they've come past on their way back to our place. They've gone north and they've stopped in the center square. And the other tribe were there, the guys from that center square, and everyone was drinking. And so these words have happened. You know, they've exchanged words and blown up at each other and just, yeah, whatever. And then our crews got back in their tuk-tuks and come into our place where we're staying. Everyone's hanging out. Next minute, these guys that were up the road... Come back. ...had decided, like, they gather troops and, like, let's go sort this stuff out or something. So they're, they're gathering in, right? And so I'm not... Well, you don't know what's happening. It's just people, I just, not even enough to be my concern. So there's just people gathering up in like the right-hand corner of my periphery. And we're just having this conversation. And next thing I see this flash, 
like, like just a like gun. a shiny thing. No, just a shiny thing. Go on, I've looked over, and one of the young kids, it was this 19-year-old kid, it was like a smaller guy who had been surfing with us that week, had this fucking sword. It wasn't a machete. It was like longer, like a sword. And he's swinging it through the air straight at this massive Sri Lankan guy. This guy was the biggest Sri Lankan guy I'd seen. His arms were like massive, you know what I mean? He's this big solid guy. And this little guy is swinging straight at him, this fucking sword, and just cuts him like straight through the arm and just takes this massive chunk out of this guy's arm, like just up the tricep here. Like I'm talking a massive chunk. Now, this guy, this young kid, swung this sword at him, taking this big cut out of his arm, and then him and his whole crew drop the fucking sword and run. And at this stage, I noticed that everyone else, they've all got bamboo sticks and machetes. And this young guy and all his crew, so all our crew are outnumbered, the guys from our place. So they've, this guy swung this sword at this guy, taking out like literally that whole side of his arm. He's dropped the sword for some stupid, probably because it's so big he can't run with it. He's dropped it and started running. Now, he could have run straight down the beach that would have been the smartest thing but he's run into the rest the seating area that we're sitting at so he's running straight at us and now at this stage my mates in front of me have seen this shock on my face and i've looked so they've all turned around and they've just seen this guy running and then behind him this big guy that just got the left his left arm half chopped off picks up the sword with his right arm and starts chasing him. So my mates that are sitting in front of me have turned around to suddenly, they haven't seen the first exchange. They've just seen this big guy running at this guy, this massive chunk taken out of his arm, like blood, like blood's pissing out, man. And he's chasing him with a sword. And so he runs into where we are, this young kid, and runs around the table and back. And like, so at this stage, I've stood and up to think, oh, what's going on? And this girl's still sitting next to me. Everyone's like kind of, no one knows what to do. And I've stood up. And this guy, where the table was, was like a, there was a pole behind me holding up the roof, you know, like. And this guy's run past me in between me and the pole. And next thing I've looked and this big guy's running straight at me with this fucking sword after this guy. And I can't get out of the road. So like I try and push myself up against the table. And as he's run past, he's like hit the girl next to me, like on, like kind of brushed ahead because she hadn't moved in. He's kind of like pushed past me. We've got blood squirted over both of us, like all over from his left arm. Now I turn and I look at this young kid. He runs around. He's got this big guy chasing him and he runs back, but gets cornered by the, other, the rest of the crew and they've all got bamboo sticks. So he does this double take. He like stops and goes, oh, fuck, and then goes to run backwards and goes, stops and sees the big guy coming at him with the fucking machete, like with the sword, and then he goes to just turn direction and run down the beach. So he's done this double take, like stop, turn back and gone, oh, fuck, run down the beach. And this has given this big guy enough time to, to get close. Catch, yeah, to catch up to him. And so this guy's coming up behind him, literally gets this one big swing and just goes bang straight down the back of this guy's skull, straight down the back of this like 19 year old kid. And he's just hit the deck. And as soon as he's done that, everyone at the table, we've all jumped up in a panic and just gone, run. And so we've started running. And Michael, the German guy, has grabbed everyone. He's gone in the room, in this room. So we've run into this room that was like up behind the office and locked ourselves in. But it was like a maintenance room or something. It was like something that it had some building materials and stuff. And we've locked ourselves in that room and turned the light off. And we're hiding in this room. Now I had a phone. So like straight up, um, Michael's on the phone and he's trying to call the boss, yeah. trying to call the boss, trying to call the police. He can't get a hold of anyone. And we're sitting there like locked in this room, like frozen. So I think in the room was Michael, the guy was running it and his Chilean girl. There were these two other girl backpackers. There was Mitch, me, and this Israeli dude. Now we've got run and locked ourselves in this room, started trying to dial for the police or the owner to come down. And we're just hearing this massive war go on outside. Like all this, like, you know, we're hearing stuff, right? And this fight goes on for a while. And then next thing we hear like all these tuk-tuk start up and then just nothing, right? So it's quiet now. And so we're just waiting in this like fucking silence, so scared. Because like we found out, right, this whole story behind it and they wanted their brothel back because they lost it to a surf camp for Westerners to come. All they had to do was hurt one foreigner 
Yeah, and they would have been. And they would have, nobody no, else would have come. Back no one would have come. No so us as foreigners were like even more scared when we found out this story, saying like anything they can come to, it they're going to come for us. Target, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So everything just goes fucking silent, dude, and it's so quiet, and we're all sitting there like no one's moving. Everyone's like just like quiet. Michael's still trying to call police and everything. We end up hearing that, like, the army's coming in, like, two hours or four hours. And we're like, fuck, what are, you, are they talking about? Like, just, so what are we supposed to do? And then, you know, it's quiet for probably, I don't know, 20 minutes, half an hour. I don't know. I don't really know the time. It was a long enough time to be like, oh, hey, I don't hear anything. We should check this stuff out, you know? So we're all sitting there thinking, like, what should we do? We need to go out, check the scene, you know, see if anyone's hurt or, like, see if it's all calmed down, you know, see if it's okay, you know? And so we talk about it. So there's two, there's four guys, three girls. And so the Israeli guy goes to me. He goes, all right, Aaron, you come with me. And all you other guys, you stay in here and lock yourselves in. And he goes, Aaron and I, we're going to go out and we're going to check the scene. Yeah. Now, he finds these two like bits of two by four, like kind of longer. Or not two, like, yeah, kind of like. 1.2 meter fucking two by fours, yeah, like right? About, yeah, and we find like some nails because there's some building material, and we literally nailed nails through these through these two by fours. Wow! And so he, dude, he was professional, man. He gave me this pep talk of like following his lead, how he was going to do things, hand signs, like fucking like all this like full military talk, right? Of how we're going to go out and check the scene sure, and how yeah. we're going to. Blah, blah. Like, we had to secure the situation, man. It was fucking actually cool, actually. Thinking back on it, how that guy handled that situation was so fucking cool. Yeah. And um, so we're like, all right, so we've told everyone they've got to lock the door behind us. I think we even gave them, like, a, a knock or something, like, or, like, we had to... Oh, like a, tell them it was you. Yeah, there was, like... Like, we literally had this, like, little plan in pa- place. So we go out, and it's literally... I'm following his lead. We're, like, he's checking around corners. He's, he's was so... Man, he was a full soldier. And we end up clearing the situation, right? Like clearing the like the area around us. It like, looks like everyone had gone. There was blood everywhere, no one to be seen. And we're like, all right, there's no one around here. It looks like the danger's gone. The tuk-tuks were gone. You know what I mean? And we're like, all right, it looks like there's no one there. Now, because I'd been surfing all that week on reefs and sharp reefs and everything, I had all these reef cuts on my feet. And I'm looking down, there's blood everywhere. And I start getting all paranoid. I'm like, fuck. And so it was you. No, so we had that hut. Oh, you did AIDS. Well, just anything, you know. I'm like got open cuts on my feet and there's blood everywhere, you know. It's just like yeah. I don't want to be walking around in blood. And and so I'm like, my that hut that we had was a 100 meters down the beach, you know, like that hadn't been finished or a couple hundred meters. And so I, I go to this Israeli guy. I'm like, I'm going to run down, grab, grab my, my, shoes. My, my shoes or my thongs and I'll be back in a sec. It looks all right, you know. So as you so where the main building was where we were to walk to our place you literally walked across the entrance and the entrance to that place was like a sand kind of circle driveway thing like a U-turn yeah, spot. Yeah. So I literally had to walk out like kind of through the trees where I was into this open like turnaround U-turn spot or like car park thingy and then down the beach a bit more to my hut. Yeah. So as I'm walking along and this is soft sand like like that gravel as I'm walking along I come out of this bush line to that open car parky like U-turn area. There's somebody there. And that kid's there laying face first in the fucking sand. And I've looked at him and I'm seeing this machete. I'm looking at, I can see his brain. Yeah. And every bone in his body is fucking broke. Like both his legs, both his arms are broken. He's just this pool of blood just laying face down, right? Now, I don't know. This is the first situation I've ever had like this. It was so heavy. So I've walked out and there's this guy. I can. It looks dead. He's dead to me. You know what I mean? I'm looking at this dead body. And like this all happened so quick, these things. But what I did is I started at his, like I kind of got to him and I walked around him without touching him. Like I walked from his head to his feet, like observing him. Just like, I don't know. He just was dead. And he's just in this pool of blood. And as I'm looking at him, one of the other young kids in his gang has run out of the bushes and dove like knee first and like kind of slid in between this guy's head that's on the ground, grabbed him in a panic because he's like must have waited for us to come up. We've come out. He knows it's okay now. So he's run out to get his mate. And so I'm just, this all happened so quick. I've walked out. I've looked at him thinking he's dead, just having a look to think what to do. I hadn't even got to the point of should I check a pulse or anything yet. And his mates run out dove down and just flipped him and flipped him over from like his so his face 
so he's like face up, flips him over and I look at him and straight up I just throw up. I start throwing up. I'm looking at this guy, his eyeballs hanging out. He's fucking got two sword like marks through his face, like down through his um his his forehead. His arms are broken, man. And and then we check his pulse and his breath and he's breathing. We're like, he's breathing, he's breathing. So I had my phone on me and they're like, you got a phone? I'm like, yeah, I just remember it just being covered in blood thinking, yeah, just, just fuck, just have it, just, you know. And one of the, by this stage, we're like, oh, he's, he's breathing. And then another guy's come out like from hiding and the guys yell to him like grab the motorbike so he rocks up runs around and rocks up on this motorbike and we have to pick up this fucking like loose limp body that's still breathing put him on motorbike man arms and like bones just broken like arms going in different directions man and like we put him on the the motorbike then the other guy gets on the back behind him and holds onto him and they just shoot off i remember them shooting off so fast and this guy's legs the one that was limp in the middle were just hanging down nearly hitting the road you know what i mean and i'm thinking like fuck don't take his foot off you know what i mean dude it was so heavy and um so then so then now we go back to the room and we're we're locked in there and I've said what's happened and everything like holy shit like I was shocked by this I was like fucking so scared like we're in this room thinking they're gonna come back gonna come back so we stay in this room for like another hour and then next thing the army rock up and this is the biggest wank they just didn't care they just rocked up like just said whatever checked the scene they literally rocked up and cleared the scene you know what I mean the army rocked up these two big or two or three big army trucks and a whole heap of soldiers like 40 soldiers checked the scene checked everything out got in left and the owner i don't think the owner would come down so we're we're sitting there and we're there going okay what do we do can we go stay anywhere else now one of the girls that was with us those two girls are staying down the road but their place is full so we're like oh maybe we try and stay down here and then the german guy's like he had to stay there to wait for the boss are you fucking serious, and so we come man? down we're like well fuck like michael like we can't leave him we can't just leave him here and like go try stay stay somewhere else. We gotta like stay with this guy. You know what I mean? Like like we went through it together. It's like we can't just be like, oh, your problem now, dude. I'm just gonna leave you here. Like, and I don't know why at the time. Like he had to wait there. It's just like, well, maybe get him to go and get the boss to meet you down. But it's like I don't know. It was his responsibility as a manager. He just had to stay, and we're like, oh, we'll stay with him. But one of these these girls, they had to go home. Like we're not gonna make them stay with us. So I just remember, dude thinking we've had this conversation michael's told us everything why it happened the whole thing came out you know what i mean all the problems they've been having so now we know the story and we've come up to this thing going realization that if they want to get this place back as a brothel all they have to do is hurt one of us yeah you know what i mean yeah, totally. so we're sitting here going they're only up the road we know they're in the village they could come back at any time yeah. so we're like fuck so i remember going all right well i'll take the girls back i remember i got this knife and i remember <laughs> in these girls running down the beach from palm tree to palm tree like hiding behind palm trees clearing making sure because you know it's dark on the beach like you know in the shadows you never know who's like in the shadows. so dude and so i this was at night uh, this is yeah this was late at night man oh, like i think it started like we're having afternoon beers on dark when it all started mm. you know and so i get I these girls back to their really place and then i've got to get back to ours and i just remember man like we all decided to stay mitch and i stayed in that hut and it had that big open window looking straight out. And I remember how scared it was because I was just sitting there just waiting for someone to come in. I was just remember sleeping. I wasn't sleeping, just laying in bed, holding the knife, just looking straight out this window. It was so scary because you couldn't see anything. It's like someone could be seeing you. You wouldn't, it was just like, just uh, looking outside, just, oh man. And so straight up the next day, I think the owner came down. We all decided to leave. And I think Michael and his girlfriend quit the job, you know, and, and, yeah, I think we went down back down to Welligama, but so we're there. I think in Sri Lanka for two more days, and we found out the last day when we left because like, we called back one of the guys to find out how that kid was doing, and supposedly he's still intensive care, right? And I think he was in a coma, maybe, but he was still alive. But it's just like I don't know what happened to that guy, and I'm sure that like even if he did survive that, right? No, but even if he did, he would be like a, a vegetable or something, you know? I don't know. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, Wonder. you wouldn't want to survive that. You'd want to be dead. Oh, man, it was so heavy to see. And the craziest realization for me was so I was 25 
And it was one of the heaviest things I'd seen in the world, right? Like as in like in human nature. Yeah. And the crazy, the biggest realization I ever had was like, with the, I just remember thinking like, wow, like in Australia, I've seen people have disputes and people punch each other. And people don't, aren't trying to kill each other. They're just trying to hurt each other and make a point. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is the first time in my life I literally saw how life was so expendable. Like the, it was like their, their value on life or this tribe, this, these two gangs value in life at the time was very low. And like they had a disagreement and it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go punch you for it. It's, it was like, I'm going to go kill you for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, scary. You know, like when yeah. you think about that, you know, it's like, wow, it's intense. I mean, that's a heavy story, eh? Yeah, I wonder. It's I had nightmares like, from that shit after. It's oh like, fuck yeah! You, it makes you me want to try PTSD from that shit. You yeah. know, probably that's probably why you're so weird. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> 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 Gotta light it up somehow. Yeah, I can hear go. that chair creaking. I don't know if it's your chair or your back. No, it's your back. <laughs> just getting old. It is kind of creaky, yeah. Yeah. Did it? Oh. <laughs> now that you said it, that's the only thing people are going to hear. Have you ever seen the, the creaky chair? Yeah. They, they won't even listen to us yeah. anymore. They're just like, I wonder if the chair's going to creak yeah. again. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, I heard it. Becomes it becomes a feature. Yeah. Feature in the yeah, podcast. Yeah, this is it's a segment. This, this could Either be the chair. creaky chair. <laughs> the creaky chair episode. <laughs> creaky chair segment. <laughs> hey, dude. What? Oh, that's, have you ever seen it? Yeah, you would have seen heavy shit. I've seen some heavy shit. Oh, maybe we shouldn't. I'm a, yeah, should we not talk about it? Cause it's heavy. Probably. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I've seen some Very stuff. good stories. I've seen, yeah, but I've seen some really great shit, too. Yeah, most of, I would say the vast majority of the shit I've seen has been good shit. Yeah. yeah. What's or do you have any like pinnacle moments in your life that you remember? Those memories where you like that's something. Seeing Rico get married was pretty awesome. Really? Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Wow, I never thought about it. so your son. Yeah, your son just got married. I never thought about what what is that like as a father. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's hard to put in words. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. It was awesome. It was just fun. It was really cool because I really like Rico. He's pretty awesome, dude. He's yeah. really cool. And uh, yeah, he's happy. I so. like how you always talk about your kids like they're your friends. Because they oh, are. Yeah, they are your yeah, mates. Totally, yeah. But it's just like, you know, every time, like, how you talk about him, you're like, yeah. Yeah, I love hanging with Milan, you know? Like, oh, like, fuck you, you I talk just to him like Milan today, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, it's like they, they, they remind me of a better me. <laughs> you know what I mean? What, do you reckon they're a better you at, your, at the age that they're at? Yeah, oh, much better. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. I mean, they're like, they're like good people. It's <laughs> like... <laughs> What were, you, what were you like when you were 30? Oh, when I was 30. Or 28. Wait, Milan's. I was, I was a complete hedonist. That's, you know, that was just my lifestyle. <laughs> it was just like... No, it would have been longer before Milan because Milan's like 33 and Rico's 29. Hey, didn't you. Didn't you um, buy Indonesian rice bowls? Oh, yeah. It? Oh, yeah. Oh, you mean years and years and years yeah. ago? Oh, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, that was fun. That's a business story. Kind of. Yeah. Should we do, should yeah. do a business story? Yeah, we'll do a business story. Oh. Okay. Wait, actually, you know what? I was thinking about you and your businesses mm. just then in um, when we were in Mexico, man. Here's an idea. Mm. No, I'm sure people do it. But, dude, there are so many V-dubs and um, combis there. And one's in really good nick and they're so cheap. And I was like, I remember you telling me filling up shipping containers and stuff like you've done it many times, like when you're traveling, just get a shipping yeah. container or go in with someone that has a shipping container and fill up part of it and send stuff back. Oh, man, there's, like, always, there's always treasures. It's, that's what's so fun about it is because like wherever you go in the world, they've got something that where you live they don't have, you know? So it's sort of like you come back with stuff and it's like it's mind-blowing to other people. Dude, yeah. it's like, it sounds so innovative, but it's like the oldest 
all this thing. Trade and it's, and yeah, it's trade. There was caravans with camels doing it, you know? Like, yeah. You know? It's just forever. Yeah. Taking goods to trade. God, I never look at traveling like that. Well, like in that way. Like as in you're looking at stuff that you can take back. You know, like go, for probably, probably, well, I did that a lot. I did that as a business for a long time. So I was, you know, traveling heaps. And I'd always turn it into a business. So I'd go to a place. And, I, and the cool thing about it was I got to meet a lot of people that way. You know, like you get to be part of a community. You know, it's like you're dealing with people. You know, you're like, yeah. you know, you're staying in a place for a while and you're oh, making things yeah, you're happen. You're really becoming part of that town. Yeah. So you go to a town that you're tra- trading in and you're meeting and you're buying and selling and yeah. doing these trades with people. Yeah. Yeah, so you'd really get connected. And it's really cool for them, too, because it's like, you know, you're helping them out. Yeah. You're, like, doing something where, you know, it's like, these guys want a job, you know, and you're just saying, oh, here's a job, you know? So were you traveling, like, you wanted to go traveling, but you also wanted to work or do business? You just decided to join the two? I just mixed the two together. You just, was it an entrepreneurial mind? Or that, that's just well, you know you what think? it is with me? It's like, I think of work. I, I don't compartmentalize my life, right? So it's like when I, when I work, I don't say, oh, you know, for these eight hours or so, you know, like I'm not going to have a good time. I'm just going to really work and make shit happen, right? You know, yeah. and then after that, then, you know, like for the next eight hours, I'll have a good time. It's like I always just say, fuck it, you know. This is my life. So those eight hours I'm going to work, I'm going to have a really good time. Oh, that's fucking brilliant. Because that's my life. You yeah. Know? So it's like I'm not going to do it. And not love it, you know, yeah. or not enjoy it. Well, it's because you love yourself enough to fucking give yourself that. Exactly. So, where was it? Do you remember the first one? Or, like, so you decided, okay, I'm just going to go travel and work? Like, oh, just trade God, stuff? I've like, done buy it so and... many times. It's like I've been to, uh, I think the first, the first big one I did was to uh, Peru. And I did that with two other people. And we went and we bought a container load of stuff. And it was amazing. It's like we brought we bought this whole container load of stuff, right? And we brought it back to Sydney. And we set up these exhibitions in Melbourne, Sydney, and Canberra. And we did like 13 exhibitions just before Christmas. And uh, we just sold everything we brought back. It was awesome. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was amazing. So all the stuff you're buying, we're just going to markets or just traveling around Peru, finding stuff, buying it, and just putting it in the shipping container. Well, that was, that was part of the deal. You know, it's like you're traveling to all these villages and you just kind of see what people are making in villages, you know? Like there might be a, like in a place called Calpa in the Amazon, there were like these ceramics by the Shipibo Indians. And they, yeah. like, they took ayahuasca and the patterns that they would see when they're high, they would paint on the ceramics. Oh, you're kidding me. No, I still have one. I still have one in, the, in our bedroom. But yeah, so it's like, you know, stuff like that. You'd see that, all right? And you'd say, oh, I'm going to like just take lots of that stuff back, you know? And yeah, and then when you get back, you like, you tell people that in the exhibitions too, and they just like froth, you know? Yeah. Well, it has a whole story to it. Yeah. Fuck, what a way to travel and add story. Like that, fuck, what a way. Dude, you just inspired me so much with that. Yeah, there's so, well, the thing is, traveling is a traveling. It's when you start to realize traveling can be so many things, you know, like, yeah. and, and working can be so many things. So, you know, like putting the two together is just kind of like, well, it's magical. Using something to connect with people. That's actually when I first told you about the podcast, the idea about recording my stories that I learned, but using it as a way to connect deeper with yeah. the people that I meet traveling. Yeah. Remember like hearing people's stories around the world? Like I wanted yeah. to go connect with people and, and like I'd been traveling, I've traveled for so long and in so many different ways and then I was looking at just a new way of traveling. Like I was thinking like what's a way that I can dive into cultures better? What's a way that I can understand cultures better? What's a way that I can get deeper or have an excuse to connect with people? You know, yeah. by going to like villages and hearing about old ladies, this, like the um, the old sailor that I did in the Westfords in Iceland. Like, it was just like... I listened to that one. That dude, was awesome. It was so amazing to get con- hooked up with him to go talk to this guy, you know what I mean? But even stuff like when I did the mountain crossing, I went in and talked to a historian 
in the town Siglerfurter, this guy, he was a historian there, he run this like um, history museum. And I organized a meeting with him. They lent me this big encyclopedia, or like this big history book that he had um, written. Oh, wow. They lent me that for the weekend. I think they gave it to me on Friday, and then I was having this meeting with him on the Monday. And I literally just went into this old guy's house that was doing all this art with um, with driftwood. And he was finding oh. he was finding out where the driftwood came from and joining it together. So he had like these pieces that he'd done. He's like, this is driftwood from Japan, you know, that's washed up in Iceland. This is driftwood. And he was able to find out where a lot of the wood was from and make this art out of it, right? He's a brilliant guy and he sat me wow. down and he's like, because I not just wanted to cross the mountains, I wanted to understand how the Vikings, the Icelandic people, how they, what I wanted to understand was how the, I, I saw the rawest climate I've ever seen in my life and I wanted to understand how the fuck did people survive that before yeah. we have our modern stuff, right? So that's did like, they? Yeah, did they? they? Did they actually fucking they, live they, there? They survived that shit. That's what they lived, and that's like why I wanted to experience that. That's why, like, I went into the mountains, and like, why, like, I wanted a challenge. I wanted to experience that, like, that depth of the place that I was traveling to. I wanted to experience what they ate. So that's why I was eating the dried fish. Like, I wanted to experience the history of the place. So I went and talked to this historian man. Uh, it was fucking insane saying sat me down he told me about um the whole history of the place through like it's shipping one um the vikings were there through that then when it was trade like um when they banned alcohol because all the, everyone was just drunk and they thought oh man he just told me oh man okay the history of iceland that he told me was oh was it danish fuck no it's the D- dutch the, oh the dutch oh man i gotta get this right i'm, I'm too high from that joint <laughs> It was the Dutch? Damn, I got to get this right to give them justice. Yeah, yeah. but they okay. They were well, in control. They were in control. It. Yeah, in con- being in tr- control. And the Icelandic people realized that they had just been giving them alcohol. They were getting them a way for the government to control them. This other nation was to get them get them drunk, right? Oh, okay. That was that's what their theory became to be. So they decided to ban alcohol in Iceland, right? So they banned it. They only got beer in the late night or early two thousands or something. So they banned alcohol. Even now, it's like the bottle shops there, the alcohol stores, it's like there's a really small window of when they're actually open, you know? Wow, so people aren't like good at drinking? No, they they were. So this is what happened, right? So they banned alcohol, right? Yeah. And then they started training. So then they got their independence or broke off from the country that I'm having trouble remembering. Canada? No. <laughs> Shut up, you idiot. <laughs> no, so they broke off from them and then they started Norway. trading because then they had a free trade. So they started trading with Norway and one of their biggest trades was Spain. Yeah. But Spanish people had to drink. So they said, like, we're coming and trading with you. That's so many boats are bringing so much to it. So the Icelandic people said, okay, yeah, you can drink wine. So then that slowly became wine and then it became liquors. But beer was never alle- like allowed. But when they used to drink beer, they were steady drunks. But then when they ended up evolving and becoming hard liquor through oh, the right. Spanish trade. Yeah. And so then they ended up, supposedly there was just drunk, people were just drunks on the street. And yeah, so then uh, ended up with a worse problem. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, anyway, that town that I was in, right, had 1,200 people. But at its peak back in the trade, when all this was happening, it had 5,000. So it was this whole hub in the north, like in the in the north of Iceland. Is it, it really, like, really fucking cold there? Oh, yeah, it's extremely. It's so raw and so beautiful. But anyway, he told me about the trolls. So he told me about the troll caves and everything. So there's like, that's where they believe in trolls and they believe in um, elves. So even the Icelandic government, they won't build, so the elves live in these certain rocks and the Icelandic government won't build roads through the rocks they won't move them. they've got to build around them now they kind of gave all this up this theory up like um i think it was in the 90s and they they gave this theory up and went whatever and they built this road through this elf forest yeah and everyone in this town got really sick the town there and so then it like reiterated that like the their belief system so now they still believe in it quite strong so where i was doing part of the trek is an elf church he called it an elf church. Now, what he was talking as an elf church didn't seem like how he's describing it. it was a church where he where you go and like a church. It, he he described it in the way that it was a village, but he used the word church. Uh, and so there's so all the these cliffs, village. yeah. And uh, he's saying like it's okay, but you've got to respect them. And like these, like he, but 
Not only that, he used the elves and the trolls to really reiterate how powerful the mountains are, how spiritual they are, how deep and mystical they are, and the power that they have. And he like reiterated with me how much you need to respect the nature here through those stories. You know what I mean? So whether those stories are true or not, it's like an elder passing down these stories to protect the younger you know what i mean about the power in these mountains you know what i mean through story so it's like i don't know that's just one way to look at it but um he just like really yeah he really interrated so then like it was even like on my mind like looking at rocks and what it did it brought my awareness to the hike in a different perspective right you know what I mean? I got to look at rocks and observe them in different ways. Think of their houses and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I had this imagine. It was like I had a game to play in my mind when I was like crossing the mountains, you know, when I saw rocks, you know what I mean? Uh, game, yeah. So it was like really cool to play this game that like, okay, there's elves there. I got to respect him. And I, you know, and like no matter whether if it's the elves or not, but it's just those mountains in general, they're so powerful. Wow. And you feel that. You know what I mean? That's the whole point. You're looking at these things and you're looking at these massive mountains, man. You can't not feel anything when you're in there because it's so much bigger than you. And it's like brand new mountains, huh? Oh, dude. Yeah. They're like vertical. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I think it's the newest. The, it's volcanic. You know, it's, it's the Russian like... and um, American continent there and it's dividing. So much you can go. There's a divide there and the two continents are dividing. Icelandic's raw. Iceland's raw. So that's going to form like a, a another open, like a Bering Sea, a yeah. Bering Strait again, like where they'll open up. Not know, sure. Because that's when the, well, it's going to happen well, if it fully anyway. Cracks, yeah. If it's, I think it's going ten centimeters a year or fifteen. Well, it's going to happen anyway. It was sea level rise. It's going to open up that seaway again. Yeah. That separated the you know those two continents. Oh man, I'd hear heaps wow. of stories about how life's changed up there because of that stuff. Especially up in Greenland. Because of sea change? Or yeah, because, because of... you're less ice than that. Hmm. Oh, man, I just read an article. Or I just read the uh, the MIT Review. Did I ever show you that? It's this magazine I get, and it's from MIT, and it's Massachusetts Institute of Technology. So it's kind of like, it's like a premier magazine that a really, just really cool guy that I know, he's a scientist. He recommended I started reading it because he said, you know, this is what, like people that are really well informed read the MIT review, right? So anyway, so I start I subscribed and they they've just done an issue. They come out every two months, and they just did the last issue on climate change, and it's like, fuck, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty scary shit. You know, it's sort of like, you know, these are like the top scientists, mm. you know, in the world, writing articles for this, and it's like none of it was really positive you know it's like yeah yeah, i'll show it to you but it's like almost in a way it was like you know it's not like did we are we gonna fuck it up do you know it's kind of like we fucked it up yeah and it's like unless people really really pull their finger out of their ass it's like we're not going to be around for much longer you know what i love that Mm -hmm. right now it's trendy or a trend to be sustainable like yeah. as in that was one thing that I really noticed about this world trip that I just did compared to others. It's more places that I went to were garbage conscious, and more places I went to were saying no to plastics. Like and we're doing oh, it in, cool, in Mexico. Yeah. There's so much styrofoam there, and like we're in a town, Sayulita, and like I noticed there was like a really big push in that town for that. There was like so many actually. There's so many towns I went to around the world where it was like this like little movement of like young people that had this passion for it, and it was like. And I think it was, yeah, it was just that awareness spreading, but it was really cool to see. And it really put in me like, well, it became like a fun game to like, awesome. you know, we're getting morning coffees and everything and always taking our mug. It became like a fun game of how much waste you would get away without yeah. making. Creating. And then, you know, what we even started doing just from that. Then we started doing beach cleanups. A friend of mine, he's doing part of a beach cleanup while he drives down to Patagonia. We started doing it with him. We're like going down, getting back in the afternoon. We'd smoke a joint and then do this beach walk, dude, and pick up garbage. But you become so aware because you're looking at the sand, you're looking at the garbage. For one, you become so aware of how much garbage is around you. But for two, you get to like observe the beach in a different way. You get to look at the rocks and like the sand and like the water coming in. It's like this really nice afternoon walk that's also really productive. And And you're cleaning it. Yeah. And it yeah. felt so nice to do that as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah actually, I saw this girl in Sayulita. I was sitting on the beach with a, um, some friends from Coffs Harbour, having a few beers and, and smoking a joint, and this girl's walking past. 
just with a plastic bag down the beach. Everyone's having afternoon beers, crowded beach, sitting there. There's people having cocktails, you know, like, you know, you know, it's like a touristy beach. And this yeah. girl's just walking down with a plastic bag, just picking up garbage and just, you know, like doing exactly that. Just like not really just, yeah. And I was like, wow, look at this girl. And I was like, I've got to give her a hug. Wow. Yeah, and I got up and I walked up to her and I said, oh, excuse me. And she's like, oh, yes, sorry. And I was like, yeah, I just said to her like, dude, what you're doing, I love it. And I was just like, I really appreciate it. Can I give you a hug? And I gave her this hug, man. And it was it was actually beautiful. Like we had a really nice hug because she, I gave her appreciation that she deserved, man. Oh, God. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, she was just doing something that was fun i was like wow and then so i saw that and then i talked met this guy who was doing a beach cleanup and we're like you know then that was then you we started to do doing it, it. and then yeah. we not only started doing it but we really enjoyed doing it oh fuck yeah 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 helping out the planet's awesome well it's kind of cool that like you can you can try and lessen your impact traveling but you can also make your traveling meaningful in another way that's what we're saying like about like ways in traveling yeah, it's like I think that's probably the idea of uh, traveling for trade. I think that's actually not as cool as traveling for cleaning the planet up. I think that's actually really nice. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, I think that would be... Well, you know, I was when we were in Thailand just recently, me and Alvian, for Rico's wedding. Uh, I had this idea because we're at the hotel and... It was this great hotel, you know, it was really beautiful. And the, and the people that were, you know, there, the Thai people that were working there were fucking awesome. You know, they were just like, just fucking sweet people, you know, just so nice. And uh, I kept thinking, wouldn't it be fun if I could stay there for like a week or two, right? And every week give back to those guys. I become the servant or, you know, the guy that's helping out or the yeah. guy that's doing you know like making the food or the guy that's doing this and you know i don't know if they have to be there i would like it if they were there and i could serve them but you know whatever would work i think that would just be a really fun thing to do you know like just yeah. give back show your appreciation it's kind of like because really what you're doing is you're going yeah. to somebody's house yeah and it's like saying you know like okay i'm in your country i'm in your house it's like i'm doing all this shit you know and it's like and just because i have money that allows me not to like clean up after myself yeah you know you know allows me to like you know just be like you know like served instead of actually like helping yeah and i think that i kind of have a feeling hotels like that if they would start doing that hotels would be incredibly successful yeah you know yeah you know if if it don't have to do it but it's an option you can actually serve the people that serve you you know one day out of the week or one day out of the month even you know but it would be like it'd be fucking awesome i think doing anything to show your appreciation you know what I mean? Uh, Fuck, I meet some cool people traveling, dude, and some uh, cool locals. I met this guy guy the other day. We are just getting this boat out to this island in Mexico. And we are just sitting down. And we were sitting down. We had all, like, we are taking all our eggs and stuff, like all our food out to this island because we are just going to yeah. be sleeping in our board bags. And my mate had, like, a little um, diesel cooker, mm-hmm. a little, no, a little petrol cooker and because he was riding on a motorbike but we had to leave everything to get a boat so we just took what we could camp in yeah. our boards and yeah. we just took all these eggs and avocados and tortilla like you oh, know nice. we just taught good. everything to make tacos and we had man because we're picking ma- mangoes everywhere because we okay so we just drove across mexico and so we're picking mangoes everywhere we're doing the coastline surfing down the west coast and we're picking mangoes everywhere we're talking to all the farmers my mate spoke perfect spanish man so like it was just our translator it was so good so everywhere we went we're stopping at these farms talking to the farmers they're like yep go for it everywhere the fruits like hits the ground or whatever just pick whatever you want so we just had bags and bags of fruit man and then um so we go to go out to this island and we had to get to this village and stay there the night before and we organized to leave our car and the motorbike at these this little family's house yeah and um, they're going to watch it for us. And then, so we go down to where this boat is. And there was like this, like a fast boat that you can get out there. But we know that, you know, that they'll take you around the island real like heaps quicker and it costs heaps and you've got to haggle for it. But we also know that there's the Collectivo, which is just like, all the locals do, I'll go through the mangroves and then get in a car and go through the island. Yeah. 
and that's like nothing we're talking cents you know like 30 cents of whatever or i think it's a dollar each way it's maybe like or, something. or something yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah exactly yeah. so we come down and first this guy's trying to charge and we're like no nah, we're just getting the collective i do it's all right so he's like yeah cool and then i go to this guy like because it used to be when i used to do it years ago when i was in mexico it used to be 25 pesos and i go oh, how much is it now he's like oh 50 pesos and i was like oh wasn't it and I go, oh, wasn't it 25? And then this other guy pipes up, perfect English, and just, and he's like this Mexican guy and goes, and he goes, bro, you must have been here a real long time ago, you know? And I was like, for 25 pesos. And I was like, oh, yeah, like six years ago I was here. Like it was the last time. And he's like, yeah, no, fuel's gone. The petrol price has gone up. Gas price has gone up now. So now it's 35. And then he just sits down next to me and we just start talking and broing wow. down. And... So now I've had having this exchange with this guy, like he just met me on a genuine level. Like his mate was trying to do this for some reason. He's just decided to like, you know, like connect with us. We've connected. Next thing he's our bro. We're sitting down. He's just a normal dude like us. And we're just like talking and everything. And then I was looking, there was like this, like back of this um, house across from us. There was this lady and she was cooking Had like a little clay pot um, fire pit. And she was cooking tortillas, the morning tortillas. And I said to him, oh, like, Fuck, we had all these eggs and I hadn't eaten breakfast. And I was like, I'm all going to cook when we got to the island. And I go to the boys. I wonder if that lady, she's got a hot plate right there. I wonder if she'll let me cook some eggs. So we come over and we're like, oh, and I, this guy that we just broke down with us just yelled out to her and goes, oh, can you, like said in Spanish, just can you cook these boys some eggs? So she was just like, yeah, no worries. So we take our eggs over and she's like, just starts cooking them for us, making it up. And then she's like, oh, we're like, oh, how much for tortillas that she was making? They were two pesos, man. So that's like, I don't know, 20 cents each or something. Yeah, like, yeah. like really, really, I don't good know, deal. really cheap. And these big tortillas. She's like, yeah, just have that. And then she cooks the eggs for us, right? Um, we all, and then she had all these beans there. So she let us have the beans. Uh, and then at the end, then we had coffee. She was brewing this coffee, this local coffee. So then we had that, man. Man, she charged us nothing. I remember, like, I I gave her a hug too, actually. Yeah, yeah. No, she's just such a nice, beautiful woman. And uh, because this one guy's connected to it with us, and we've like shown interest in him, it was really we had this not really cool connection. He was my bro, man. I was like, I was excited to see him next time I saw him. Yeah, I was like, but um, yeah. Then we've met this really nice lady. She's looked up. We had this genuine experience with him. With them, it was so beautiful. And then yeah, then we got to go out to this island, man. Wow. With the locals. Oh, yeah, it was just. That's the where thing about traveling. In, where was this in Mexico? So that was in Jacawa. So that was like, you, you go to a town called Zapolito. It's like a, an hour and a half north of um, Puerto Escondido. And so I used to always do the seasons in Puerto Escondido, which is like where Mexican pipe is, big waves. Oh, right. And as soon as the swell was like real big, I'd go up to that island. And it's actually an island. There's a couple of stories about why it is the way it is but the the general story is that there was a slave ship or a slave ship on the way way to spain no because it was on the west Coast. i thought it was on the way to america but someone else told me it was on the way to spain or something but a slave ship crashed off the coast and all these um african oh i mean all these africans made it to this island uh, and then they settled, they settled there and they're all like african mexican and it's really cool because they kept their way of living for so long. And now it's still really raw there. Now there's like places like huts where you can like drink, like where you can camp. Like there's just like a lot of camping there. There's like a real like basic hut that you can have. And it's just all on the beach, all on the sand. Yeah. And I first went there. It's a little bit bigger now. There's like better options to stay. But I first went there like 12 years ago. Man, it was just such a beautiful place. Wow. Oh, fuck. Damn it. I just realized I'm promoting something. Yeah. Actually, this will scare heaps of people off. Crocodiles. Oh, there's crocodiles. Yeah, there's crocodiles there. down the river that go through the lineup and stuff. Man, it's big saltwater crocs. Are you fucking crocs. serious? Big saltwater crocs. It's dude. never going to develop. Man. It's fucking, no, that's, yeah, no, that's good. No, that's it's good actually, that's, yeah, that's one thing, but it's just like, so that actually keeps a lot of people off. But it's just There's nice. no fucking way to go to the crocodiles <laughs> in the water. <laughs> Yeah, crocodiles and sharks too they're the two the things sharks both there of them too? yeah hey is that bunny like, i think i think it is bunny oh hey bunny i think your she's wife gonna, just got home i think she did yeah she's gonna love the new couch <laughs> oh yeah should we oh should we should we wait and record her reaction with the new couch yeah let's do that <laughs> for the listeners out there uh, 
<laughs> Rio just got a new couch in got his living room. There was nothing wrong with the last one. But What'd you do with it? I got the two chairs still. But the couch is... I gave the couch to Ben. Oh, did ya? Yeah. Oh, I would have loved that. That was a good couch, man. It's a great couch, yeah. Very generous. Emma, Emma. Uh, this is for you, Emma. Emma's <laughs> 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 fucking awesome, too. <laughs> no, Ben and Emma, they're awesome dudes. Man, I love those guys. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I tried to take, take, get him to take the chairs, but he didn't. He balked. Actually, I don't think she's home. I heard the noise. Maybe that was Mel. Do you reckon? I don't know. Wait, it's only nine o'clock now. She went out. She's out with Karina. There's this girl that she visits. <laughs> We're telling everyone everything. Get back oh, to yeah, the travel yeah, stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> should we do? Should we do any more travel stories? Or should we get get out of here? Let's. Uh, I'm hungry. Yeah, oh, let's get a treat. Let's yeah, let's, let's get, get a, a snack. Treat. Wait, thanks, Rio. Oh, that's awesome. That was fun, huh? Yeah, that was so good. I do it like a double.